Hey man, we're gonna have a good time today. I'm so glad you decided to get up and come here. We were waiting for you, praying for you, hoping you would be here because I believe God has a good word for you. Man, well, I tell you what, last Sunday night, Sunday morning, wow, what an experience that was. If you didn't, if you weren't here, you missed an incredible moment. We had one of those, like, in all my years of ministry, I've never experienced anything quite like we had at the very end. We had a, we told a little story about a guy that prayed for rain, and we encouraged the men to pray for rain, for God to rain down upon their families. And the men gathered all across the front, and we prayed for God to rain down. And about that time, how many remember what happened? It would rain down. So someone told me I'm not allowed to pray for rain anymore. Because, for bless your heart, I'm so sorry, you know. Uh, but we prayed and God answered. And someone said, well, next time can you ask him to stop the rain? And sometimes I said, I don't have a stop prayer. I just have a start prayer. That's all I got. But it was crazy. I mean, we thought it was a sound machine going off. It was so loud. And right at that moment, it was, like, it was like as if God was going, I'm just wanting you to know, you know, right there, that, that I'm putting my stamp of approval on that. That was, that's what I desire. Yeah, that, that's what I believe. Wow. Hey, listen, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but we started a streaming our online services uh, into the county jails uh, about a month or so ago. And I am glad to report to you this morning, there's about 680 inmates in the county jail. Don't clap about that. That's not good to clap. But... But according to the chaplain, of course, this is, this is on their tablets. They all have access to a service. They, they've been locked down, obviously, and especially with the COVID restrictions, there's been no access to any kind of services of any kind. And so we've been able to, through their tablets, take our services online into the jail. And according to the chaplain, about 50 to 60% of the population have been watching the services online in their jails, pods, and... That's like an awesome, that's like 400 inmates just sitting there watching something that you're experiencing right now every week up in Bayman. We're excited about that, what God is doing. So why don't we do this? Why don't we give a big warm welcome to everybody watching from the county jail and watching online. Thank you, we love you. Glad you're here. Thank you for coming online with us. Amen. We love you. We love you. And as soon as you get out, there's a home right for you. Come on, we just want you to know we're waiting for you. Absolutely. Wow. Well, listen, um, we didn't tell a joke last week. I wanted to tell you a little joke. Actually, my dad told me this joke years ago. I thought it was kind of funny. And in fact, it's one of my favorite jokes. You may not like it, but uh, I laughed. It was it's a little, little boy. Is a, he was an, in the Indian tribe, and he went to the chief, and he said, Chief, is it true that when um, a little baby Indian is born, the way he gets his name is that the father walks out of the teepee and the first thing he sees is the name he calls that child. He says, that's correct. He says, so is it true that when, when um, Sitting Bull uh, walked, his dad walked out of the teepee, he saw a bull sitting in the field. He named him Sitting Bull. He goes, that's right. And my other friend, Flying Eagle, when his well, dad walked out, the first thing he saw was an eagle flying. He got his name Flying Eagle. He says, that's right. That's how we get our names. He goes, I'm very curious, little son. Why are you asking me all these questions, pooping dog? <laughs> oh my gosh. Is there a process in this Indian tribe of changing my name? I just want to know that. I, I don't know if I want to go through life with a pooping dog name. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, listen, um, have you ever, a question for you, have you ever felt like you've been treated wrongly for some apparent reason when you thought you did everything right and everything according to and somehow you just felt like you've been treated bad? Anybody raise, raise your hand, raise your hand if that's been you. Okay, so there's a few here that's never been treated badly. I, I love you, please talk to me. After we're done, I wanna hear your story, how you do that. How many here have ever recognized a hidden world at work going on behind the scenes and thought something isn't normal about this situation. Anybody raise your hands on that one? Yeah. I think one of the greatest things my mother ever told me years ago when I received Jesus at the age of eight years old and I knew exactly what was going on. 
In fact, that song we were just singing is one of the songs we were singing tonight. I gave my heart to Jesus. And I remember the next morning waking up and I was um, getting my, my, I had my own personal hairdresser in the form of my mother all throughout my life. And she did it, yeah, she did a great job, as you can tell. She'll be glad to share those secrets with anybody else that would like to know that, Pete. And uh, so, and so, yeah, so, so she was putting Vaseline. How many remember Vaseline back in those days? Come on, guys, Vaseline. It's like, you, you know, you wake up and you put this grease on top of your head and you just rub it all in. And then you, and then you put this comb and you make this perfect little part down the, down the side and then put everything. So anyway, she's, she's combing my hair. And, I, I'm, and I'm standing there and I said to her, I said, Mom, I feel like, I really feel like something really has changed in my life. I feel different. She goes, well, you are different. She, in, fact, in fact, she said, son, you need to know for the rest of your life, you're going to be different. And, and it's a good thing. And then she said this, I'll never forget her saying this. She goes, also, son, you need to know this, that not everybody's going to like and appreciate what you've just done, inviting Jesus into their heart. In fact, there will be, in your lifetime, people that do not like you at all, simply not because of you, but because of what's done inside your heart. I felt like, well, I don't know, if, <laughs> what's this all about, you know? But I said, okay, well, whatever, I don't know. And I, and I found that to be absolutely true. That was very much the case. Because when you come to Christ, it's not always a bed of roses, as Patrick was sharing with us. Things don't always go your way or the way you think they should go. But more importantly, we need to understand that there's an invisible force many times at work behind the scenes against your life. Now listen, if you haven't taken the Lord serious and making him the Lord of your life and making him just everything to you, if that's not really a passion, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and you have poured everything into this relationship that you have with God, you're gonna come against some things in your future called invisible forces. Things that you, you don't even perhaps even understand because you've entered into a spiritual conflict that you didn't even know existed until this point. In fact, in the church world, we call it spiritual warfare. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, there's a battle you're about to go into. Come on. There's a battle you're about to go into. So get ready. Because there is an enemy of your soul and he is real. There is a, <laughs> I like Jason Bourne movies, I'm sorry. I like things blowing up and exploding. And I know you're like, how can you be a preacher and like to see those things? Well, I don't know, but that's what I am. And uh, you know, Jason Bourne, Liam Neeson, I mean, all these guys, you know, these, these guys, you know, I will find you, you know. I, I'm not gonna say the rest, but anyway. So I like those kind of, well, let me just tell you something. In the spiritual world, there is a Jason Bourne, there is a Liam Neeson, there's a, there's, there's a, a spiritual enemy of your soul. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said that the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he said, my purpose, though, is to give life and the life even eternal or everlasting or satisfying, rich life. I want you to know that there is a, there's a, there's a strategy against your life. And any of those three things, steal, kill, and destroy, is not something I want to be around. But, but there is one, in fact, the psalmist called it a, a fowler. He said it like this in John, uh, excuse me, Psalms 124, verse 7, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. We turned that around when I was a little kid into a song. My soul escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Anybody else remember that song? Well, it must have been something we just sang in Northeast Missouri. My soul escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. And then there's this bass line. Boom, 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 boom. My soul escaped. Boom, 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 like a bird. Anyway, that's a, we, I don't know why we like to sing that song so much, but it was a song about basically the enemy trying to attack you, but yet the Lord provided a way out. The psalmist called it a fowler. There's a fowler against you. There's another scripture in the book of Solomon. Solomon referred him to as a hunter. In the book of Proverbs, he said, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. 
I don't care however you want to see it, there is an invisible force, a spiritual force, if you would, that's at work to try to take you down, to try to take you out. My, my wife and I have been watching a little TV series recently. Uh, we came across, it's an older one we'd never heard about, a friend of mine recommended it. And, so we caught a couple episodes, and basically it's where they take 10 different guys, 10 guys, and they drop them in a wilderness area. This particular one's Northeast uh, Pacific, the Northwest Pacific. They drop them at different points. They're all by themselves. They're all separated from themselves, and they have 10 items that they could pick. None of them includes a gun. <laughs> and one, the only thing they could have is a, a knife if they chose to have a knife. And so they're out there camping, in the, and the goal is to see who can stay the longest in this wilderness setting where everything's out to get you. This, this is a land, there's bears everywhere, um, cougars everywhere, uh, coyotes and, and, uh, and wolves everywhere, and they're out there with a little tent and some pepper spray, as you know, if that's what they chose. And, and they're trying to survive in this element. And, and, and I, this one guy who was watching, he only lasted 12 hours. Just one night, he was done, he tapped out. Come get me. He called in, they got him a little satellite phone just in case there was a murder. He had 12 hours because he woke up in the middle of the night and there was a bear right next to him. There's a camera showing. And, the, and they're out by themselves, but they put little cameras on the trees. And there's a bear that came right next to him and he's like two of them. And, and he's inside. Only thing separating him from this ravenous bear is a piece of thread called a, a tent, little thread. He's like in there with his little hatchet and some pepper spray. Like, <laughs> soon as daylight came, come get me, I'm out, tapped out. He was out 12 hours. Within like three or four or five days, I mean, half of them were tapped out. They were gone. They couldn't handle it. And it brought back to my mind the fact that in our souls, in our life, in our world, there is a spiritual enemy that's out to take you out. And, and, and sometimes you even feel like you're defenseless. There's nothing that you have that can stand against this unseen realm that desires to destroy us. And, and sometimes, and sadly, many Christians don't recognize this work behind the scene. In fact, they, they take it out on other people. They, they think that what's going on is actually what they can see with their eyes or hear with their ears, but it's actually something even beyond that. If you kind of catch my drift, most of the time our energy and our time is spent fixing a physical problem with a, phys with a physical solution when actually the only way to fix the physical problem is a spiritual solution. And if you don't understand that, you'll spend lots of money and lots of time and lots of energy trying to fix something that cannot be fixed because you're dealing with something that's a spiritual entity. You're not ready for me this morning. I want to read for us out of the book of Ephesians this morning because Paul laid out for us tools that the Lord has given us to access in order to live a victorious life. In fact, he used some imagery and called it the suit of armor. And so I want to read this to you this morning. Finally, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we know that strength and power is yours to have. God wants you to be strong. God doesn't get glorified with a weak, power, powerless person. He gets glorified when, he see, when the world sees strength coming out of something that should not have so much strength. So he says, be strong, Lord, his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Everybody say, the armor of God. So that you can take your stand. In other words, so you can say, enough is enough. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you know that there's a scheme that's been placed over your life? That just like a builder has a blueprint of a house that he's gonna construct, that there is a blueprint that the enemy has of your life, of how he can steal and kill and destroy you? Listen, listen, my name is JP, I'm your friend, but I'm here to give you some good news. That God has given you some, because you gotta understand that you're in a fight before you can ever fight. You gotta understand that there's that there is a war and there's a scheme, there's a strategy that's been placed over your life in order to take you out so God Jesus cannot be glorified in this earth. Now, as long as you're not glorifying God and giving him glory, then the enemy don't really care about you. But I'm talking about some warriors in the house this morning. How many warriors do we have in the house this morning? 
I believe we do. And so, so you need to understand this so you can be able to stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, get this, is not against flesh and blood, not against people, not against your, your aunt, your uncle, your spouse, your relatives, your neighbor, your boss. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you even know such a thing even existed before this morning? They actually do, and they're at work even now. They didn't even want you to get here this morning. They did everything in their power. You were arguing in the car on the way here. Saying to yourself, why am I even going to church? I don't even know why I'm even doing this. I, I could bust you upside the head right now. I'm so mad at you. And here you are. Because there's a scheme against your life. Maybe not be your husband. It may not be the kids. It may not be your spouse. It may just be something greater or bigger. And so, here's the good news. <laughs> this is that's good news. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. So that when, everybody say when. It didn't say if. It didn't say, so if the day of evil comes. It says, when the day of evil comes. What's the day of evil? That's the day when you are being tempted. That's the day when the enemy comes to trip you up. The day when the enemy comes to destroy, to kill, destroy, to, to take you out. And he doesn't do it with one big, big you know, knockout. He usually comes with a bunch of little jabs. He, he wants to, when the day of evil comes, you're going to be able to stand. Why? Because you put on the full armor of God. So it says, so you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand... Stand firm. I've heard people say, and they've asked me the question, Pastor, I've done everything I know to do. I've quoted scripture. I got the situation going. I prayed. I fasted. I'm not seeing any results. What do I do? I've, I've, I've been standing on God's word. What do I do? And I say, stand. But I have been standing. Is there something else? No, just stand. It's what Paul says, after you've done everything, after you've done everything to stand, just stand. Stand firm. Then with the, now here, here we go, now he's gonna show us what our tools are. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to those three things, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So three things we're so told to wear all the time and three things we're told to pick up when we need it. So we're gonna start this series called Boot Up. Now some of you may say, what in the world does boot up mean? Well, that's a good question because I didn't even know what boot up means. So I happen to have some friends who are in the military or have been in the military and talking to them is interesting sometimes because sometimes they forget that they're in the civilian world and they're not in the military world anymore. And they're talking to someone that I've never been in the military. And so I was talking to this one individual. He goes, yep, it's time to boot up. I'm like, what are we doing? Do I need to go get my boots? What are you talking about? He goes, no, 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 man. We got to get, it's time to get ready to go. Let's go. Let's boot up. I'm like, why don't you just say let's go? I mean, I don't, you know, say that. I'm like, no, no, we got to, we got to talk military. Like, Charlie Mike, come on. It's time to Charlie Mike. What's that? Because let's, we're going to move forward. And even though it's difficult, we're going to Charlie Mike. I'm like, oh man, this is getting crazy. It's too complicated. I couldn't be in the military. Just say what you want to say. Don't give me all these letters. And words, but we're going to talk about boot up, which, which literally means to, to, to get ready to go. And, and uh, so how do we do that? We take on the full armor of God. Well, so what is the purpose of the armor of God? Well, let me just point this out. The main purpose of the armor of God is to take the battle to the enemy. If you'll make a little note here, if you'll notice that these descriptions of weaponry that we have to fight with, there is nothing mentioned in there for your backside. Everything's for the front. It didn't say, oh, by the way, take um, the back plate of fear and cowardness as you're running away from the enemy because you're scared 
There, everything is a frontal suit, which means that there's no retreating in God's kingdom. There's only advancing. There's standing, and then there's advancing. There's not to step back. I don't take another step back. I don't give you any ground. I'm taking, I may have taken me a whole generation to get this far, but baby, I'm not going to step back. I, 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 may, I may find myself leaning a little bit, but I'm standing, and I'm going to stand firm, and if I take a step, it's going to be this direction. You better get out of my way. You're not going to steal. You're not going to kill. You're not going to destroy. I've come to take back some ground that you've taken from my own generation. We don't hunker down. We don't sit idly by and wait for Jesus to come and sing kumbaya until we out of breath. We, 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 we don't surrender. We don't retreat. We don't cut a deal with the enemy. We don't give in. We don't give out. We don't give way. We take it to the enemy and we've been equipped for battle. And it's time for the church to recognize that the powers of darkness are not as strong as the armor that God has given us. He's given you a breastplate. He's given you a shield. He's given you a sword. And it's time for the church to be the church. Come on, can you say amen? So turn to your neighbor and tell him, boot up. Come on, just boot up. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to just talk for just a few moments. The first piece of armor that we're made aware of that we have is called a, a belt, a belt of truth. It's interesting to me if I were going to go get fitted out to charge into a fray of people that don't like me, that they're going to give me a belt. <laughs> okay, guys, they don't like you over there. They're going to kill you. They got some big bullets. Here's a belt. Good luck. Go for it. I'm like, can we do a little bit better than a belt? We got anything else? How about a bazooka? How about a, how about a tank maybe? You know what I'm saying? What are we doing with a belt here? Belt, a belt of truth. I was recently, I was um, going through TSA security at an airport. And what I, can't, what I noticed was through this security checkpoint is that guys and women are different. When, and when, it, when, when, when the women go, out through the little, you know, magnetic thing, you know, the test, you know, put your arms up, and they got singles around, test see if you don't, see if you have any guns or anything. And so the women just walk right, they do this, they go right, it's okay, you're good, and they get their little bag, and away they go. <laughs> I'm here. Get my bag. Hey, I'll be there in about 15 minutes, I gotta put my belt on. I'm putting my belt on. I'm looking around. It's all the guys. We're all putting our belts on. No ladies, just men putting on belts. I'm like, you know what? There would be a time where I probably, it would be nice to be a woman at some point. So you, I don't say that these days anymore. Right? But so let's, 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 let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, let's move on. So the importance of the belt, number one, why you need a belt is because it gives you stability under pressure. It gives you stability under pressure. See, when you, when, what you have to understand here, let me give this. So, we have some trainers in our congregation. And so, this, some of you may have no clue what this is. But some of you absolutely do. This is called, what? A weight, exactly, a weightlifting belt. And it's a squatting belt. So if I want to do squats, if I want to put a, a, a bar on, and heavy weights on each bar, and I want to work the, my, 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 my thighs, my calves, and all this, so I'm going, to put, I'm going to put my bar behind my head, my neck, and then I'm going to squat down as far as I can, and then I'm going to come back up. And what this belt does is it keeps everything in my core in place so I don't get 10 hernias in one squat. I mean, what I'm talking about. So I don't bulge, I get a disc that starts bulging. In other words, this armor weighs 70 pounds, but it's, but it's this, this belt 
is actually holding the breastplate in righteousness in place. It's actually holding my sword uh, that I have in place. And if I didn't have this belt, I wouldn't even have a sword, which means all the best I could do with the enemy is just spar against them. I can't ever defeat them. So this belt equips me, but more importantly, it, it, it protects my core. Now, what are you talking about a core? I want to show you a picture of a core. Let me show you a picture of a core right here. We have a picture of a core? All right. So there you go. It is it's the middle part of your, your anatomy. It's, it's your rectus abdominis. Like that? Your internal and external obliques, your transverse abdominis your pelvic floor, all these things. This is your core. And in fact, as I was talking with our local trainer, I said, tell me, how important is the core? He goes, the core is the epicenter of the human body. He says, in fact, when I train people, I train them from the inside out. And what I want to do is I want to give them a good, solid core before we go any further. Because if they don't have a good, solid core, then everything else that we're doing is going to fail eventually. You have to have this solid core and you got to make sure that it's built strong you got to make sure that's why some people have eventually get hunchbacked you know and they start slouching because they haven't worked on their core it's why some people they have to rock about 15 times before they get out of the chair they can't get off the ground because their core is not strong listen if that's you you got to talk to me we're going to work on your core it's the core, and the belt comes around your waist, and what it's saying is you got to make sure and know that you're, you're God, you're the God of truth is right here in the middle of your core. If you, go, if you have the belt of truth on your core, then whatever pressure comes on your shoulders, you're going to be able to withstand because you put yourself in a position with the belt of truth. So... You know how some people, when they get their core all built up, they feel like they want to show people what they've done. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you never take your shirt off until you got your core all right. And then when you got your core, then you take your shirt off when you go to the beach. I want to show you an example of, of a guy that I love to listen to. He, he shows a little, tells a little story about his son who'd been working on his core and getting his body fat down. Let's show this little video for a second. <laughs> oh, my. But it is important that we work on our core because the truth is that truth does give us stability under pressure. The second thing that the belt of truth does or a belt of period is it keeps things in order, right? I mean, what, what would life be like? Well, we kind of gone through a season where we do know what life is like when people don't wear a belt, don't we? <laughs> I mean, they walk around, they're belt, belt, you know, there's like, you know, let me introduce you to a thing called a belt. You know, this, is, this will help you from having to walk around holding something with your one hand. I mean, it's, it actually, we have something we've invented a year ago, and it's, it's, it's called a belt. But anyway, I was reading a story about a guy who robbed a bank, and he didn't have a belt because he was into that fashion, you know, where you wear your pants down to here, and he robbed a bank, and the police had no problem catching him. They almost walked to catch him because he was trying to hold his pants, and, and he tripped over his pants that fell down to his ankles. So you got to have a belt to keep things in order. And number three, it proves that you are familiar with discipline. You're, you're familiar with discipline. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself have been a castaway. In other words, truth will change the way you live, the way you talk, the way you think. It brings you into a place of discipline. That's what this belt of truth does. It causes you to become a disciplined person. And number four, the belt was a signal that the soldier was now ready to fight. It was the last thing he put on. It brought everything together. It was the last piece of equipment. Again, in Hebrews, the writer says in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are also encamped about, or compassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Everybody say, beset us. Yeah. 
Easily, there's something, there's some things in our life which easily besets you. There are things in your life that 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 just seem to um, are easier for you to do that are wrong than other things. Uh, sometimes it's for some it's impatience. They're very impatient. For others, they're very can become very angry very quickly. Others can be very jealous very quickly. Others can lose you know their temper or be lustful or um, gossip with their mouth or whatever. Whatever is that thing that so easily besets you, you have to, Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, you got to throw that thing off. you got to set it aside. you got to work on that thing because God wants to deliver you that. It doesn't have to be a part of your life for the rest of your life. He wants to set you, that easily besetting thing to the side so you can, and the way you do it is you put on this belt of truth. So let's talk about the importance of truth. Number one, everything centers around truth. Remember the, the movie, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Well, you need the truth, and you can't handle the truth. What is the truth? Here's a definition of truth. It's God's opinion on any matter. Whatever God thinks, that's what it is. Another definition, an objective standard or something outside of me from which everything else flows. Something outside of me from which everything flows, an objective standard. Another definition would be a fixed standard. Or another definition, an immovable conviction upon which all of my thoughts are made, all my decisions are made, all my values are made. I have a conviction. It's based on the truth. It's based on the word of God. And everything funnels and filters through. Everything filters through this little thing called the belt or the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with this truth, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going there. It has to line up with the body. I put on a belt years ago. I'm not taking it off. Now, here's the deal. They've done some surveys, and they found out of all the millennials today, 96% of millennials do not believe in an absolute truth. Only 4% of millennials believe that there's an absolute truth. What do I mean? In other words, only 4%, 4 out of 100 millennials believe that there is such a thing as the Word of God and only the Word of God and whatever God says is what I'm going to do. Remember in the old days, we used to put our hand on the Bible and we would swear. We don't do that anymore. It's not important because we don't have absolute truth. We've taken the Bible out of the school system and out of society. What we've done, what the enemy tricked and duped us into doing is thinking that there is no absolute truth anymore. It was more than just laying your hand in the Bible. You were making a statement that this is where all truth originates from. And I promise, I swear to you that I will tell the truth just as this does. And 96% of our gen millennial generation doesn't even believe there's an absolute truth anymore. They believe, here's what they believe, they believe that, that truth is objective, that, that truth changes with circumstances. That if you think it's right, then it's right for you. And it's called, it's, it's called situational ethic, ethics. In other words, in this situation, that might be true, but in this situation, that, that may not be true. So, so we'll just kind of, so, so we're making decisions now in our society without having a bar or a standard to make the decisions by. There's no belt of truth in our society other than you and people like you that believe this is the highest truth there is, that God means it when he says, I do not lie, that the word of God is true when he says that. And so, so the enemy has come and caused us to believe that we need to buy into this thing called tolerance and acceptance and everybody's right in their own way. Oh, See, James 1 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in other words, without truth, without truth, without an absolute truth, everybody's wishy-washy. Let me say it again. Without truth, everybody's a fake. 
I know it's tight, but it's right. Everybody's unpredictable. People are unfair. They're unreliable. They're double-minded. They're unstable. Why? Because they do not live with a belt of truth in their life. But when this word becomes your truth, and it becomes your guide, it becomes the platform in which you build your life upon, as Patrick said, it becomes the rock, Jesus, and the truth of Jesus that's found in this word becomes the rock that you build your house upon. Whatever storm comes your way, it will not wash away. You will remain when everybody else has found themselves in a doctor's office. So real quickly, let me give you three lies that we live with and we'll be done. Three lies that we live with. Three lies, L-I-E-S, that we live with. Lie number one, everybody has their own form of truth. Everybody has their own form of truth. Can I just remind you that Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44, for you are the children of your father, the devil. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking to some religious people at the time. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer, talking about the devil, Satan, from the beginning. He's a murderer from the beginning. And he's always hated what? He's hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he is lies, he's consistent with his character for he's a father, he's a liar, and he is the father of all lies. So what are you saying? I'm saying if I do not live with an absolute truth in my life, if this is not, if I don't have this belt on me and it's not an absolute truth and truth is relative or circumstantial, if I don't understand, if I live that way, then what I've done is I've lived my life with a lie. I'm living a lie. Without the absolute truth in my life, then part of me is living with a lie. And a lie is the house, or excuse me, the lie is the horse that demons ride on the back of into your life. That's what a lie is. It may not be a big lie, but you have believed that little lie or that partial truth, and now you've opened your life up to a a, a future that's not gonna bode well for you, and you're not gonna be able to fight the good fight of faith. I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was telling me the story when he was four years old, his stepdad, uh, his mom married another man and became his stepdad, and, and from the age of four years old, his stepdad used to tell him, boy, you are the dumbest white boy on the face of this earth. That's what his stepdad would tell him. Half jokingly sometimes, but sometimes even serious. You're the dumbest white boy on the face of this earth. Well, you know, over time, after being told almost on a weekly basis, you're the dumbest white boy on the face of the earth, you kind of believe it, because that's your dad, right? And so when he got to middle school and grade school and then on to high school, he believed he was the dumbest kid, and so he made very bad, very inferior grades. So he went to a Bible college, not feeling he could ever go to a, quote, real college, so he went to a Bible college, and the first semester made the honor roll, made the, you know, made the uh, honors uh, roll. And, 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 and something was going wrong, going off in his mind. He's like, wow, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to make a 3.9 that semester. I, I wonder if this was an accident. And then the next semester, he made all the same grades and better. And, and then he graduated and he goes, well, that must have been just a fluke because that's a Bible college. That wasn't a real college. And so, and so he lived with that lie some more that he was just a dumb person. And then so he, something challenged him. It was the Spirit of the Lord said, you need to go to a, a, a college and get a master's in this particular area. And so, he, man, he just finally said, okay, I'm going to. And he did. He went and he went to enrolled in, and he, and he graduated with honors from the college and even graduated with a master's degree. And then it began to dawn on him, you know, I I've been believing a lie all my life. 
Some people are operating from a demon perspective. Can I say it like that? You're like, oh, he say demon? That's what I said. Demon. Some of you are like, we don't believe in demons. Well, that's probably part of your problem. You're operating from a demon-led perspective. You've bought into a little piece of a lie. It might be a little bit of truth in there, but there's a lot of lie in there as well, and it's really paralyzed you from being the man or the woman that God's called you to be. You've got to put that belt of truth on because sometimes truth is more than just information and facts. Truth, listen, truth can include facts, but it's just not facts. Some people, if it's just a fact and it's the truth, that's not true. The guy, he came home, and he told his wife he was going to bring home a big catch of fish, red snapper, going red snapper fishing. She goes, all right, honey. So he comes home, and he brings home 10 big red snappers. She's like, oh, my goodness. He goes, yeah, I caught him. She goes, you caught them? He goes, that's right, I caught him. You caught all these red snappers? I caught them, baby, for you. We're going to eat and eat and eat. She goes, well, tell me about it. Ah, it's not important. No, I want to know. What did it feel like? What did it feel like when that rod bent down like that? How long did it take you to pull that first one in? How did, what was that feeling like? Oh, it, wasn't, it was not important. No, that's not important. No, I want to know. Did everybody else see it? Did you get any pictures? I want to see the pictures. Oh, you're messing everything up, he said. <laughs> What's wrong? She goes, he goes, oh, what happened? I was so embarrassed I didn't catch any fish. So on the way home, I stopped by the market. And I told Charlie to throw me a fish over the counter, and I caught it. And I caught 10 of them. I brought them to you. <laughs> so the fact was he caught fish. The truth was he didn't catch the fish. You can have facts that are not the truth. And sometimes facts hide the truth. The problem with deception is you never know you're deceived. Have you ever met a deceived person go, you know what, I just had this revelation, I'm so deceived. <laughs> I've never had that conversation with anybody. This shows you you're deceived. Every time you open the Bible, we said it last week, God opens his mouth. And you see things in here and you go, well, you know what, this isn't really lining up with my life. I like what Charles Spurgeon, picture of him, the great preacher in England up on the screen. Charles Spurgeon said this, Lord, he prayed this, Lord, not only help me tell the difference between right and wrong, but also right from almost right. I want to know the difference between right and almost right. How do you do that? through the word of God. Because see, you are a finite person. He is an infinite, infinite person. And so you can only understand things to a certain degree because you're finite, but, but it takes an infinite, infinite being called God to be able to shed revelation upon the situation. So number two, lies that we believe. You just do you. Just do you, baby. Just be you. You be you. It don't matter if you've offended everybody in your office. Just be you. Whatever makes you happy, it feels, if it feels right, man, do it. Mm. How many know emotions can trip you up? Yeah. Emotions drive the bus and end you up in a ditch. You can't afford to live by what you feel like doing. That's why I love the word of God. I love the belt of truth because it, it, it surpasses my feelings. Of, well, God don't care how I feel. He says this is the way it is. And, and I line my life up accordingly. Look at this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, they're from the world. See, when you read things like that, you go, oh, okay, and it gives you a perspective change. The reality is, you can't trust you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you can't trust you. but you can trust him. 
You can trust him all day long. And last lie that people believe is that all roads lead to God. I know you've probably heard people say, well, you know, hey, it don't matter what you believe. We're all trying to get to the same place anyway. That's good old Alabama redneck interpretation of I'm going to do what I want to do. And you do what you want to do. No, 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 no. All roads do not, do not lead to God. That'd be like me saying, all roads lead to New York City. Just go down Fort Morgan and you'll get there. All roads do not lead to God. In fact, I didn't say it, but I think there was another man that said it. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That was Jesus. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the truth is also a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Which I love about the Bible because everywhere from Genesis to Revelation, if you look for Jesus, you'll find him in every book of the Bible. He's, he's painted in every book of the Bible. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. So, some of you here this morning, that might be a revelation to you, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And you've kind of mixed him in with all sorts of other things, maybe even your own stuff. Today, the challenge is, will you make him the Lord of your life? Will you surrender your life to him? Will you let him be your God? Will you let him be your God? Heads bowed and eyes closed. You would say, Pastor JP, this morning, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to live in absolute truth. If that's you, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer with you. Yes, 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 and yes, and yes, and yes. Wow, hands all over the room. Amen. I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. Amen. I want to pray a prayer with you. It's called a prayer of salvation. And I'd like you to agree with me in this prayer and actually pray it out loud. In fact, I would like all of us to pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take full control. I receive you as truth. So show me the way. Forgive me of my sins. And thank you for hearing my prayer and letting me be your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And thank you for praying that prayer this morning. That's awesome. Thank you. In fact, on your way out, we have a tent and outside we have a free Bible we want to give you and some information as well of how that walk's going to look like in your life. Please don't leave without us getting that in your hands. Now, lastly, everybody else here, let me just share something with you. So the King James Version of, of the book of, uh, the King James Version of Ephesians, he says to us, he says, gird up your loins. Gird up your loins with the belt of truth. Gird, now this isn't language that we use today, typically. I don't ever hear people say, JP, you just need to gird up your loins. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Just gird them up, baby. Gird them up. What was Jesus saying, gird up your loins? What was Paul saying, gird up your loins with the belt of truth? Well, here's what he's saying. See, in those days, everyone wore tunics, so they wore these like kind of flowing robes. Well, you try doing battle with a bathrobe on, you're gonna find it pretty difficult, huh? Hold on, Charlie, before you swing that sword at me, I gotta pull up my skirt here, okay? I'm ready now, come on. No, you, it gets in the way. No freedom, no movement. So Paul is saying, you, you gotta gird up your loins, you gotta take this 
this robe and pick it up from the bottom and you gotta tuck it in your girdle. You gotta gird it up. And so everything down here begins to touch the core, the truth. Which means every footstep you make now is being able to be made with freedom because you have girded up. Your footsteps now have come in line with truth. I hope, you, hope I'm helping you out here. You, you, you have freedom of movement now. You, you can move, you can run, you can fight, you can, you, can, you can conquer because you've allowed the decisions that you need to make to touch the belt of truth. Everything's being filtered. Every decision, do I marry that guy or is that the wrong guy? What do I do? Well, let's look at the belt of truth. The belt of truth says, do not be unequally yoked. What's that mean? He's not saved. You are saved. Okay, that's the wrong guy. Okay, thank you, God. <laughs> Unfollow real quick. No, you're not the man. Every financial decision. God, do we buy? Do we rent? Do, do we borrow? Do what do we do? Oh, God, oh, everything that you need to make decision, you just put it into the girdle of truth. And God will, he's got an idea. He's got a plan. He's got a principle. He'll be on the book of Proverbs. It's just full of, we got even small groups called financial peace that'll help you figure this thing out. We, we, we can help you understand what truth looks like in every decision that you have to make. Gird up your loins with the belt the truth and let every decision you make come from God's truth and man when you do that look out baby because when you come to war when you come to battle the enemy of deception and lies cannot stand he must go isn't that great isn't that great news come on can we give Jesus a hand for that this morning praise God yeah Come on, a prayer team, come on up front. Come on up front. Prayer team's gonna be up here to pray. I'm gonna dismiss you with a big prayer. Do not leave after I say that, before I leave this prayer, unless you have to go to the bathroom really bad. Let's all stand to our feet. Can we do that? Come on, prayer team's up front. Can we do that? Awesome. We gotta say this prayer. I wanna bless you. Then Patrick's gonna come and give us final instructions. Would you bow your heads Close your eyes. Father God, thank you for giving us the belt of truth. Thank you, Father, for showing us yourself in every situation we're in. Thank you that you have something to say about every decision we make. And so today, Lord God, afresh, we commit ourselves to knowing your word, to committing ourselves to the word of God, to understanding the principles and the promises they're laid out to find you, Jesus, in every situation we're in. We thank you for showing us that. In Jesus' name.